Okay, no, I don't. Uh, no, I don't know why it didn't work because that looks correct. All right. No, it worked because Jark oh, got right. in. Okay. Oh, okay. Yep. There we go. Yep. Jark. Craig, Jark jumped. Craig failed, uh, but Craig failed. That's okay. That's Craig fine. can fail. Craig's allowed to fail. Craig's not too big to fail. Get rid of this one. Okay. Okay. Um, Hello, everybody. Yes. <clears throat> Welcome to Flail Forward. This is a host. <laughs> you always have the best this is a host, Rob. This is Rob a host. Was something. <clears throat> With me tonight, I have Catrice. Hi, Catrice. How are you? Um, pretty good. Good. Cavor's here. Hi, Cavor. Uh, yes, I'm here, I think. Cavor thinks he's here. Do you think you're here or you feel you're here? I think I'm here. Uh, mm, weird. Mark's here. Hi, Mark. How are you? Hello. I am here. Doing well. How are Good. you? I'm all right. I'm a bit tired, but not sleepy. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, okay. we can start the stage. Let's. We're starting the stage. The topic is... <clears throat> the topic is... Uh, we didn't have a topic. We were... We were kind of mentioning copyright as a topic but that's not really a design okay, i mean you, you can kind of design it. around that and cavoir doesn't want to talk about it at all so we're not going to do that as a topic uh at least right now we'll wait for uh where cavoir is absent for a different reason then maybe we'll talk copyright okay okay good. so all right um for so the actual topic, topic yeah go uh, ahead if we lack a topic uh both uh mark and catrice are here so yes I might as well resurrect the topic that I jokingly suggested that they talk to uh, each other about. And yes. that is, uh, let me double check what I had. <laughs> okay. I don't actually remember what that was. I don't remember it either. So this is, apparently this is a necro topic. It, it's not necro, it's not a necro topic because they, did, they didn't see it at the time. So oh, ghost topic. Vector uh, topic? Phantom uh, topic, shadow topic. Which is the way the invisible one? There's one of those that's like by default invisible. Spectre? Uh, I feel like it's Spectre. OG is uh, rather uh, not that uh, codified, so I'm not mm. sure. I, I mean, if it's a topic where you start throwing shit out at people, I'm going to assume poltergeist topic? Not bad. <laughs> <clears throat> Poltergeist. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So the the official uh, is making molds, as in, uh, let's let's talk about how you make uh, 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 how should I phrase this? Let's talk about how you make a, a template, of, like engineer a template for your game that people can use that allows them to either pull away from or fill or fill it in and i'm not sure if i phrase that in a way that is useful how 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 to help people hack your game not really um there's a reason why i want to talk about uh i'm not expressing the topic well if it's not obvious why um, well the orsa and uh what's yeah, it just just second sorry to interrupt i just noticed that rob's the only one that you can hear on twitch i uh 
Oh, probably because the stage isn't live. Just a second. Uh, templates, engineer template. I'll give take do that. Go ahead. Yep. I called it making molds, but uh, right. engineering templates is probably uh, a better way to phrase it. Okay. Because uh, Catrice and Mark both actually do this in interesting and very different ways, and I'm not sure. And I figured somehow in my head it seemed like if, if I say like both Catrice and Rob's game do this, I not Rob, both Catrice and Mark's game do this that in interesting ways it would be innately obvious what i'm talking about but it's I'm not, not i it's still something. actually don't know what you're talking about i think i think i know a little bit so i would i would say that it's probably like how in praxis there's sort of a structure for how you outline what your game looks like in terms yeah. of like there's a mold for what um the, the basic structure is for the setting, let's say. Yeah, and it, um, it, it creates, it essentially creates stereotypes that exist or by the process of its entry questionnaire rather than giving, uh, rather than giving innate things. And it creates like, uh, how should I phrase this? It creates things that you can latch your character on. It has you create those yourself, but it does so in an engineered and careful and constructed way whereas catrice's method is just here is 300 pages of lore um there's going to be a supplemental book with more lore but (laughs) (laughs) she has said that yeah but it's it's okay i will say that there there is actually other stuff in regards to that in that there's also like I built it specifically so that it's open ended. Yes, uh, I was going to talk about that a bit more. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I was making, I was giving the joke thing, but but Catrice, uh, you you define your character. Uh, do you still have that thing where you define your character's ar- ar- uh, base archetype and you decide and you decide whether you're playing against it or towards it? Yes. You know, over kind time, of. yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. And- it's not necessarily that you're deciding immediately which one you're doing, but it's like this is basically your starting point. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah. You're in so, crisis, you might be changing that. You might not. So yeah, Catrice just uh, basically gives all the all the parameters that she wants a character defined by, and give and gives you a nice codified list that tells you a lot about what this looks like so you know very clearly where the template line is and what a default is by just hopefully yes we're gonna pretend your game works okay (laughs) we're gonna pretend your game is the best version of itself that it can be uh which it's not i know (laughs) (laughs) It, it it is getting there but yeah i actually have like a new playtest that's starting up as of this week and like there have been some interesting issues so far too bad okay uh that's that are they does anybody okay so um my question now is have i sufficiently defined what i'm actually talking about or do i need to keep going i believe so yeah yeah 
Okay, then if you think I have, uh, I want Mark to talk about yes. uh, why he did things the way he did in his game and what and how he went about doing good things for this. And then I'll have Catrice talk about it and then I'll have Rob sure. talk about it. And yeah. then we'll talk about this thing, this stuff in general and other examples, if that's okay yeah. with everyone. That sounds great. I, I, I like this topic because it combines engineering with game design. So um, the idea for this was really like, it came from more of the, um, how I would want to play my game. And as the game master in other games, I usually try to take the feedback that players bring. And it's usually from like nowhere. Like in your D&D game, it's like, okay, go make your character backstory. And then they come to the game and you've got this like history behind your character. And now I want to make that and integrate it into part of the game. So the, the players are bringing this element and now it's um, going to be a core part of the story because that's something that the character or the players care about. They put it in their character because they, they want to see that kind of story. Um, so I wanted to make sure that that could be an aspect that was part of Praxis that I could build into it. Um, and to give the game master the tools to be able to always have those aspects at their fingertips. Um, so the way that I went about doing it was to make sure that the game master could have this, basically this resource, this supply of cards that was um, something physical, like tangible in their hands that revolved around those aspects the players wanted to bring forward. Um, so how do I go about saying like, okay, well, all of these players want to know about, um, I don't know, want to, it to feel like a spaghetti Western. Well, then I would want to have spaghetti Western written on one of those cards and be able to integrate that into the plot somehow. Um, so the first part of that was how do I generate these ideas, these concepts that the players care about and want to tackle? Um, and that came through with, just exploring how people develop the settings and the spaces that they get to play in. Um, so I borrowed a lot of questions from a world building um, resource that was just like, here are the things you should consider when you're trying to design a world for your like fantasy novel. Um, and a lot of those questions became the basis of the questionnaire that I ask players right now, where it's just, going through what are the important parts of the setting. Um, and I, I added a few things of my own, just like, I want there to be this central tension or antagonist. So who are the important people? What do they do? What do they care about? Who opposes you and your goals? Um, and being able to ask the players that and get their feedback and then write it into that resource that became like basically the die that the game master gets to hold in their hand um and to like interpret the results from um that was what i wanted to get out of the the structure so the deck of cards made sense the way to uh like how the mechanics actually worked around it came later but i wanted to make sure that this was something that was a a physical part of the game I mean, Makes sense. Is that yeah? Yeah. I mean, especially when you said like you were just you checked out like here's questions for setting up like a new setting. It's like that's 
basically what the players are doing is creating a new setting in the initial start of the game there. So it yep. makes total sense. And it was just like a, a nice way to try to shortcut, like, what are the most important parts? How quickly can I do this um, while keeping the setting interesting, but also um, fleshing it out enough or giving it enough aspects that there's there's meat to it, but I don't want to take six hours. Um, yeah, so, that's actually yeah. something that kind of bothers me about a lot of um, a lot of things about world building is that the thing that you get most often from it is people being like, okay, well, you have to make like a map and it has to be like a super ultra detailed map. And it's like, you don't really need that for the most part when you're like creating a world that you want to do stuff in. Right. Like, it doesn't necessarily hurt. Sometimes it can by boxing you in, but like you're trying to tell a story. Like that's what the purpose of the setting is. It it's a box that has tools that can generate new story points, new exactly. uh, factions, new uh, technology, new characters. Like. This is basically what it's supposed to do. You don't need it to be extremely well detailed. You need it to have the core components that generate new stuff. Mm -hmm. As long as it generates new stuff, that's the purpose of the setting. Yeah, that's exactly it. So it was just about finding what are those questions. Um, and I mean, I've given it my best stab at, but um, okay. there are probably still things that could be done better, but uh, I okay. think. That's the idea. Uh, okay, so uh, there was something you wanted to say. Uh, so the, uh, that's for your setting engineering, which you've talked about a lot. But uh, this is specifically talking about uh, what I specifically want to focus in on a little bit that doesn't get talked about as much at uh, Praxis, but still does a fair bit of, is how this uh, flows into the types of uh, giving an idea of the type of character you should create for the setting. Because mm -hmm. it does a good job of that too, but I guess that's a lot harder to talk about. Um, it's so it's similar. I get all the players together to create the setting first. And then there are four questions that lead into developing or like creating an understanding of who your character is. And that's the seed of where you start your character off. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, a lot of the like central concept of the game is also that I really want you to be able to tell the story of your character um, and have the uh, the feedback of your actions going into defining what that character is about. Um, so the framework of like designing your character or coming up with those first few questions needed to be strong enough that it gave you a sense of who this could be. And then the actions that you take throughout the course of the game needed to still fit into that structure and uh, sort of give more context to these different aspects of your character or your character concept to develop it as you play. Um, so the way that I do that is also through that questionnaire of a few questions, uh, a few like select aspects. So basically, I've got uh, every character defined as core four or four core aspects. 
and I have one question for, that represents each of these at the beginning of the game, um, which just covers sort of the, the broad overview of, of who you are um, and what you care about. And then um, as you play, you take actions that are al aligned with these four core concepts, um, and that is how you strengthen each of those aspects of your character over time. So you mechanically get better at that in the way that you're more likely to succeed at those tasks if you've done more of them in the past. Um, but also you have more opportunities to define your character in that aspect because more of those cards where you write down those features are added into the deck. So you, you de decide how you define your character as you play. Okay. The the uh, what uh, I want to point out specifically is that uh, you have you define. Uh, is, I want to make sure this is still in the game. Uh, no, I'll I'll just ask you. Um, yeah. So uh, you you flavor questions as by suit, and even like like the question the setting questionnaire questions, and then. So you, mm -hmm. and the, that feeds into uh, the character definition. Also, in your game, you very specifically uh, get uh, people a really good idea of their starting skeleton, but make sure that they don't define too much of where it's going to end up or try your best. Some people can't be stopped. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I try to leave that as as open as possible like even the first question i ask is where is your character from yeah. um and that's to me an open-ended enough question that says like well you can say uh you're from the the slums and that's enough to give a context of who your character is but i'm not specifying like street name yeah. or i could specifically say i'm from this like uh the the, the deadlands on planet x11 um, and that gives a very different context for where you want your story to start from. Mm -hmm. um, so that might be enough of a definition to give it a conceit of who your character's identity is. Um, but nothing is rigidly defined. The deadlands on Planet X-11 don't mean anything yet. It's just there to give you that structure of, I want this to be part of the game. And that will be fleshed out as you continue to engage in it. Yeah. yeah it's, okay. It's kind of interesting too, like the the thing about like where are you from? Like it's a, a it's kind of important to a lot of people because a lot of people are very they make that a large part of their personality. Mm -hmm. Not everybody, but a lot of people do. It's like well, I'm Texan or I'm Canadian. It's like this is a major part of what makes them like who they are. It's not just that you're from that place. It's that this is an aspect of what makes them what they are. It, it and, gives sort of a history and possibly gives them an idea of what they want to uh, focus in on or rebel against. And that already sets a little bit of a a stage for what kind of character you want to play as. Um, it can my only my only issue and why I kind of tend to avoid it as a universal thing mm -hmm. 
is it only really matters if somebody actually identifies considerably with where they're from for the most part mm -hmm. or if they interacted with it like the where are you from like if you say it's from this particular kingdom it's like there's a big difference for what that means if you are the peasantry or the nobility kind of thing right so it's like being from this location may not actually really mean anything in and of itself without further context yeah i think and that's it, what he just said yeah exactly <laughs> you can yeah. provide that context and just you the can. idea is that like if i asked you that question you're now thinking well okay if i choose if i say i'm from this kingdom what aspect of that kingdom am i from um a lot of the game has some of these follow-up questions that you're you're incentivized to ask, and because the discussion happens at the table, the GM is uh, told in their like description of this stage of the game to ask questions of the characters or of the player's response. So like try to follow up or latch onto something that they've said and and explore it a little deeper. And it doesn't need to be written on the card, but it helps flesh out that understanding of who that character is, and that you can now decide well okay, this is important to me, that maybe the peasantry have a different life. So maybe my character's from the peasantry in this uh, place, and or maybe I got to see that disparity of wealth, and uh, that is something that my character might have encountered in their life. Um, all of this is now part of the, the diamond suit in cards, which represents your character's rational self, their knowledge, their known facts and histories, um, and that is what um, defines that viewpoint, that lens that the character can grow from. If you don't resonate with any of this, that can still be something that you move away from and focus in on the other aspects of your character. But it, the question is enough to get you thinking about who, you, who that character is. Yeah, I, I do think that's good. I don't think it would work quite as well for what I'm doing, but. I do like the idea of it, especially the way you've structured it so that it's it's not necessarily a large part of the character. Like, it's one facet of mm -hmm. them, but you can basically just be like, yeah, my character doesn't really care about the area they're in. Like, that would actually be a good description of me personally, because it's like, I essentially a hermit. I have no real interaction with my community. I don't actually really want to be part of my community, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one of those weird things that it's like it would be awkward for me to bother defining like where I'm from other than is a place that I exist. But it does have some impact. Just like there are some things like being able to hold certain conversations like we do here. There's definitely some countries on the planet that we could not have this podcast legally. So it, it does matter to some degree still. It, in a way, it also captures sort of your past. Like it's, it's what has led you to where you are now. So um, the, the questions sort of go from where, where was your character from? What skill has helped you before? Uh, what does it mean for you to be, to wield the weird, which is the magic? And then what incited you to act towards your goal? So a lot of this explores sort of the, the past self, as well as what is your future goal? Um, 
and there's you're selling yourself short for a second there on saying like the weird is just the magic but it's like i think you did a much better job when you described it as it's whatever is strange about this Correct. world yeah mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be magic you can no. totally have like giant robots and stuff like that's still a weird thing about the world yep mm -hmm. exactly it's the the supernatural or the, the out of this world's uh, aspect of the setting and it's specifically the supernatural that's uh significant to how everybody lives their lives uh, you can have yep, yep. <laughs> which is somewhat significant um, well, it's a big difference. It's the impactful supernatural, right? So it doesn't even right. make a claim about the only supernatural. It's just the one everybody has to contend with on some level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or touches everyone on some level, which in itself is a way of like what I think unites every game of Praxis is that you have to define this weird, and that in itself is sort of this mold of mm -hmm. how do I make sure that this game feels the same when I play it in one session where people talk about um, aliens and robots and the next session where it's about uh, educational reform in the Bronx. And it's because each one of them has this weird element and that sets the Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I have a question. Uh, was that second one a real example? It was. It actually happened in one of my play tests and it was okay. fantastic. Yeah, I'm curious that's, what that's the weird thing was in that. Uh, it, was, it was magic. Uh, so they had wild magic where some people could cast spells without having a like uh, spell components in a society where magic was heavily regulated. So the educational reform was because uh, you wanted to allow um, people to accept wild mages into normal like functioning society when they had been ostracized and sent to like uh, the slums where they didn't have as many opportunities as uh traditional ages so that was the context of the of the whole setting and the players were uh teachers and educators who wanted to uh, or like magically allow these kids uh to be able to uh have a curriculum suited to them great yeah yeah. My immediate thought on that would be that this would immediately be backed by some large corporation that wants to turn them into wage mages. <laughs> oh god. That that would have been an amazing so I, There's villain. a human resource here. We're not yeah. we're not exploiting them. How can we exploit them? Oh that would have been such a cool like antagonist to this whole thing is like are there other people who are looking to like piggyback on your movement to uh for their Always, own benefit. yeah 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 okay yeah that's good stuff mark do you have any other thoughts any other things you want to say about your game uh, i think i think we covered a good uh swath yeah. of it i would i'd say that at this point if Catrice wants to jump in and contrast with some of the ways that um yeah. you've done some molds in your game i think that'd be really cool yes Oh, well, I've definitely done a lot, but the focus is, like, you're focusing for this question mostly on, like, how people set up the game to play in a similar manner, how the types of characters end up being kind of similar, or at least the important part of yes. the game that maintains mm -hmm. it being the game. What, what, is the, what is defined about a character in this game? 
that makes it definitionally that engineers what the game is. Like, I'm not sure if that is a clear way to say it or if that is more confusing than your previous understanding. No, I think that actually does make sense because, like, the type of characters that you get in a game, like, it doesn't even really matter which game it is for the most part. Like, if you change the types of characters that you get, you change the game itself. Like, you have also, the... Hmm? Yeah, I just want to say, also, Mutants and Masterminds characters are more similar to... Um, God, what's that, what's that other system called? Uh, are more similar to... Uh, it's not D&D. What was that one called? Herps? Yeah, are no. more, uh, kind of. Are, uh, we'll, we'll use GURPS. Uh, that are more similar to GURPS characters than Masks characters. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know which one you're talking about. I forget the name of this. It's like a GURPS thing for like, oh, the hero yeah. system. Yeah, the hero hero was the one I was like, uh, no, I wasn't looking for hero. I was looking for something that was, uh, what's it's... another point by D20? I know it exists. There was a specific point by D20 that I was thinking of that like, but it, it I have lost it. And I don't know uh, that it matters that much, really. Yeah, but but like actually the really good example that I should have gone with is Newton's mastermind characters are actually more similar to uh World of Darkness characters than they are to mass characters, which is an insane statement, but <laughs> illustrates my point if you actually know what my point is. I'm not sure. I can <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a useless statement. <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck did you interrupt Cat for again? I don't know. I, 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 I thought I had a point, and then I didn't. Which is, this is why I don't talk. <laughs> this, this is why I don't talk. <laughs> now this yeah. was worth it. I'm okay yeah. with this. Okay, Capri. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't just interrupt you with literal nonsense. Um, <laughs> It makes sense. In, it makes sense in my head. Unfortunately, that's I have bad habit on this podcast. Not being very good at uh, somehow when I'm talking about RPGs, I just lose all ability to, to articulate things. Apparently, that's okay. That's totally okay. It was highly entertaining, if nothing else, and that's yep. part of the point. Yep. I so guess it is like semi-educational I mean... stuff. If nobody's going to pay attention to it. Well, nobody's paying attention to it, but sure. Somebody's <laughs> listening right now. They heard this. Uh, no, uh, that's a robot, Catrice. Yeah. No, I mean, if if somebody's playing the recording right now, they they are listening to it. Oh yeah, that's, that's not happening. You say that now, but it, somebody's going to come into the Discord true. someday Some, gonna, and yeah. argue with us on principle and leave. Like five seconds later. <laughs> and just think that, that has, you listening to this right now, that could be you. Could be you. Yeah, come in and de demonstrate that we're wrong because we're not wrong. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, anyway, getting back to Therese actually talking about her game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, so Why'd you apologize for being interrupted? Because That's so Canadian. Canadian. Yeah, okay, yeah. See, yep, there yep, is right. some parts yep. of <laughs> or you're from that deeply through a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, so, okay, basic thing is, like, 
for when you're setting up a character, it like the type of character that you get does actually change the type of game that you get as well. Like I explicitly built pretty much everything for a character designed for my game around the concept of we need to establish who you were so that we have something to transition from and set it up so that we know that who you were is not who you currently are, but you don't necessarily know who you currently are. And that's the point that you're trying to explore. So the thing that um, Kavora had mentioned about like the archetypes, like they're not archetypical in like the normal way that you normally think of like an archetype, but they kind of express themselves like that. Mm -hmm. And what I basically came up with was I was actually trying to, I was trying to do something that was based on a fixing of the D&D alignment system and it didn't work. Because this was supposed to be alignments originally, except it was going to be changed from like, it wasn't going to be good and evil. It was going to be a shifting range of altruism, I believe it was. But that didn't work either. And there was like a bunch of other problems I ran into. And as I kept like trying to find ways to describe like, what defined a character's personality and setup. Like I went through things for um, ways to write characters for movies, novels, other RPGs and stuff. And what I basically came up with is there's a lot of overlap in almost all of these. And it basically boils down to what you actually value and consider to be important. Because mm -hmm. If you define a character as, I value freedom above all else, like doesn't matter, doesn't matter if I die trying, as long as I die free, it's worth it kind of thing. You can then pit them against somebody who values equality, for example, against freedom, where it's like, well, I don't really care if you're free to do what you want, because what you want to do would make it so that you are better off than this other person. We want equality equally across the board, no matter what. And we don't care how authoritarian we have to be to get to it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, once you have these fundamental underlying value structures, this changes the nature of like what the character you're playing is. But if you also state like how my game works on this is that it's not just this is your value, it's that you've gone against your own values. Like, that's mm. the cardinal sin of your character. It's not, oh, you ignored, like, some random god's laws. It's, no, it's like, you broke your own laws that you set up, you went against it. So we know from context here that, A, you have some sort of inner conflict to deal with. B there's something wrong about your beliefs that even you apparently don't fully believe in. So is this really the thing that mattered the most to you or was it something else? Is it 
really okay for you to be like, well, I want ultimate freedom, but not if it means, like, you know, enslaving somebody else for my freedom. Like, maybe that's not so good. But once you're in this kind of situation where it's like everything that you knew about yourself is wrong, it's like, okay, then the nature of this game is going to basically have to be around trying to figure out who you are as a character. And if you don't do that, then you're basically going to miss a large uh, portion of what makes your character who they are, a large portion of, like, the premise of the game, really. Like, if you follow this, though, then it has a very specific type of gameplay to it, because it's not just go out, kill monsters, it's you're killing them for a reason. You have a purpose behind the things you do. You're not just going to necessarily be like, oh, I'm going to be like a monster hunter and that's my entire life. It's like you can encounter other situations and killing stuff may not be the best option. In fact, your character may be completely antithetical towards the concept of killing anything and they might decide that yeah i'm i'm gonna be a pacifist i'm never gonna kill anything in this game and it still works Mm -hmm. oh god (laughs) i'm just thinking of the the utterly ridiculous here's my 300 here's my uh, ultra sword that uh, that is forged to fire and has uh, three thousand de- combat modifiers, but I'm going to use it non-lethally. <laughs> you time. can do that. <laughs> yep. Yep. You can actually do that. <laughs> what would be a non-lethal use? I'm very curious. <laughs> yeah. What's the? Okay. Uh, so. You... <laughs> Note that you can do a couple of things that are really weird with the mechanics in this. So you so one of the things is personalizing your equipment. Like you don't just have this random plus two magic sword you picked up in the dungeon because you picked it off off the floor and it's better than your this other sword that was passed down your family for generations. So Let's just throw that in the garbage and grab up uh, the new magical sort because it's better. Instead, it's like custom tailored. Like you always have like this powerful legendary weapon that slew this monster and it was custom built by this ancient king like thousands of years ago. And it's like, yeah, this is your weapon. So you're going to take your sword and rather than it just being a sword, you can set it so that it's basically instead of combat focused you could actually enchant your sword and upgrade it so that it's more of a uh oh, what's the the term for it like a a decorative thing that you do for uh there's a term oh like a that. ceremonial ceremonial sword. yeah yeah so a ceremonial sword like something that you would you know just bring with you to like a negotiation mm-hmm. or summit or whatever just because like you'd wear like ceremonial armor sword weapons that kind of thing mm-hmm. it's like they're not meant to kill stuff they're just meant to be very fancy right 
And you could actually have it set up so that it helps you with discussing things. Like maybe it'll give you bonuses for your intimidation, or maybe it'll just make it so that uh, people are more able to agree with you, or you could actually transmit like your ideas or language to them more precisely kind of thing. You could also do some more silly mechanical things like set it up so that your sword heals people on hitting them instead of damaging them. Like, you can literally stab your allies to, to life. That seems like... <laughs> that sounds like a great death metal album. <laughs> Stabbed back to life? That's... Um, yes. <laughs> uh, what I was going to say is... Uh, but... Um, what are the allowances for your game uh, if some if some poor unfortunate soul is a pacifist character and they are stuck with and they are stuck in with a bunch of people who are solving all their pro who have decided that the ultimate way to their personal enlightenment is becoming the supreme murder the supreme murderers of the world and unde and an undefeatable force like or to put it in a way that is slightly less ridiculous, um, uh, occasional uh, is there a way for non-combat characters, for no pacifist characters to contribute to in combats, even if they the, they get forced into because the combat system in your game is involved in fun and, you know, you kind of want people to totally. engage with it. Totally. Um, so there's a lot of ways you can do that, like passive benefits from things like you know, auras or helping your allies doing indirect things. Like, you also don't necessarily have to go along with your party trying to kill everything. You could actually have your party trying to murder everything and in combat have another character that's actually preventing the enemies from dying and just basically knocking them unconscious when they're about to die instead. And then helping their allies based on that so like there are ways to do that and in the playtest that's coming up i basically have one player who is used to very heavy combat focused games so they've actually been having some issues wrapping their head around the idea that combat isn't everything and the other player has played they are said before and they're like yeah um my character is going to be basically entirely like non-combat they're going to be like a pure supportive role so one of them wants to be basically the idea of uh an archer riding a flying mount kind of thing being a knight that they basically murdered the fuck out of everything and the other one's like yeah, I'm gonna be starting a band over here. Uh, uh, I've actually, I've actually, it wasn't, uh, it was, I've actually run that group through uh, a game. <laughs> uh, like literally down to the flying mount, Archer. That, that's amazing. Um, that's a weird coincidence. Um, anyway. <laughs> Anyway, a lot of the the main like mechanical like latches that you have are class. Uh, I haven't read through the classes in a recent iteration, 
is there interesting uh do, do you ensure that are they okay are the classes engineered entirely as a combat skill set or is it a mixture uh they're almost entirely combat like the thing is the classes as a concept they're they're better described as like a combat philosophy yep so it's more like this is not I am a mage. I can only do magey things. I can never pick up anything greater than five pounds without breaking my back doing it kind of thing. It's more so just, I'm used to using magic to solve all of my problems. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that I have to use magic for everything. It's just, it's like, I want to punch that thing in the face. How can magic help me do this? You should just... I've told you this so many times, but you should just call it combat philosophy because classes is so confusing. I know. Inter- it's... Just call it, just do it, just do it. Just rip the bandaid off. Just rip the bandaid off. Just do it. <laughs> combat philosophy. It, or, or something similar, like ethos, maybe, or, or, or mm. murder ethos. I don't know. <laughs> I keep <laughs> trying what... <laughs> to think of a way to do it so that it actually fits and works and mm-hmm. it doesn't really fit and no, it I doesn't know. have like we don't have a proper term that actually works for this. I'd have to create almost a new term at this point. It and feels like. and class give and class gives something that people recognize and can latch onto. And yeah, yeah but it's fortunately it, it, it has baggage. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of baggage. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that is one of the other things is that like, question. Yeah. I have a question now. So do you have in in, in Sarah, So do you do, are the combat Okay. No, no, I'm just trying to. Ref- I'm trying to phrase the question in a way that's going to make sense. Um, the okay, pre- okay. There's a there's a finite number of combat philosophies. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Well, well in, in, in ter- hang on. Wait, 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 wait. In terms of like, there's a certain number outlined in the book that have a yes. that have a history on the planet and have like right. that's an established. This is stuff people have done and can do again. And there's a pathway that's like outlined because this pathway uh, conforms to the nature of the world in such a way that its methodologies function. Right? They're like uh, set set ways of doing things to get particular results. Okay. Uh, is that ish? Am I close? Or is it more like or is it more like I have a tool, I use that tool on things. What's it closer to? So, uh, Catrice, please correct me, but uh, the I have a tool. This is the tool I prefer to use is the base class, and the specific sect that exists within the world is the advanced options. Is mm. that that's how I remember it? Like your skills are the vast majority of your power. Your 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 base class is essentially this is what i prefer to use and then like specializations and are more like specific focus within that broad range and then you have like prestige classes which are essentially further specialization but they also come attached with um obligations to a faction as well so it adds extra thoughts 
of what you should be doing. Okay. Like, it adds into the plot line as well, so there's a couple... I, I understand. Okay, I understand. That answers my question. But, like, so, so, but they are established, like, yeah. these factions will use this this baseline yeah. fighting style, and the fighting style exists somewhere as a repository. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay. For a lot, most of the factions will have that. There's a few outliers, but generally speaking, it's like, if you're looking at, say... Could you, could you instantiate them as like a, a, a big book somewhere? I can call it like your combat tome. That would be kind of interesting because it is like a tome of knowledge. You kind of could. So like some of these things would make sense for that. Okay. Like, but some of them some wouldn't. Okay. Yeah, there are some exceptions, but the the majority of them do fall under that. So Or maybe connect them to various archangels or something in your setting. I don't know. Like because you, you have like these kind of uh, these really interesting plot hook. The, I mean, you have an interesting meta setting that undergirds what the players are actually going to be playing in. And I just feel like there's going to be a word or something like that that hooks classes, what you have called classes, like into that that meta setting a little bit better. And I, I don't know what that could look like, but I feel like that's the path that would be fruitful there. And and indistinguish not only in like making it clear what it's supposed to do for the players, but like distinguishing, uh, distinguishing your game from games other games with classes that are, you know, because in most games classes are like you pick the class and that's like that's pretty much your entire how what I do how I do it, like the whole bit. And yeah, that's actually been something that's been difficult to deal with for the uh, for the player that's used to combat things like mm -hmm. they look at the classes and they're like these are very specific abilities and they almost panicked for a while because they didn't want to get locked into a class mm -hmm. that might have specific abilities in case they wanted to do something else later and it's like this is only a tiny fraction of what you can do. This is like maybe ten percent of your, like your options in combat. It's just these are very specific things that you can do for very specific situations, which is kind of what the classes are in this concept. Like, it's mostly like your skills that do almost everything. They're much more broad, but because I don't know what skills you have at any given time i can't balance like a game around that like i can't make more specific interesting things whereas when you have a class it's like if you're following this class then i know that oh you've got at level six in this class i know you have everything up to level six abilities that this class has mm -hmm. so i can put very specific exacting things in place with the knowledge that i know exactly what you have <laughs> right so that's how you so and so skills are then like far more open-ended in terms of what they can yeah address and execute yeah okay yeah so classes get far more 
specific things. They're they're basically like you're going to run into these kinds of situations in a regular basis. Like say one of your your allies is knocked unconscious. Okay, this class has something very explicit that they can do in that specific situation. This is not a open-ended thing that everybody can do. It's like uh, if you're mm. say a reaper then they're focused on the idea of understanding and manipulating death you can basically revive one of your allies as undead temporarily and uh give them some bonuses and partially control them but it's mostly still under their own control that's See? interesting yeah <laughs> okay. what's more interesting is this is one of the rogue prestige classes it's not like a priest or something it's like no we're just used to solving problems and we looked at death and it's like i bet you we could i bet you we could solve this i i don't mean like cure death as a concept we just want to understand it mm. uh, oh god the, the, the science assassin yeah <laughs> yes, it's literally a science assassin that is it it was made by the Kayla, so this is totally in line with them. Yeah, they, and... yeah they were just yeah. totally like, yeah, we can totally solve this. We can learn everything there is about death, and we can use it to to help people or harm people or do all sorts of neat stuff with it. It's just, it's really interesting. It's death. Right. <laughs> you can do so much with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, it's Yep, okay. Anyway, so to get it back to the topic, though, is that when you're setting up these kinds of things, these are things that it's meant to develop, like, the personality of the character and within this particular setting, this type of story arc. Like, the story arc is very heavily focused on some of it's some of it's personal redemption within your own mind, but it's like against your own beliefs kind of thing. Huh. But it mostly boils down honestly to just figuring out who you are. Like, why do you do the things that you do? You did something that you don't understand why you did it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't understand why you did it, you might do it again. You have to understand like why this is happening and everything about your character when you're doing character creation like even when you're picking like your class and stuff it's still coached in the concept of why do you do these things or why did you think you were doing these things because if you don't understand that that that's something that's interesting to explore and to test to see what's really going on in your character's mind and by setting it up so that they have this cognitive dissonance thing going on where they've done things that go against their core belief system it's like this sets up game that you can explore this kind of stuff and it's not just exploring murdering everything in a straight line it's understanding 
why does this character even want to murder everything in a straight line in the first place? Like, why are you a murder hobo? What made you this way? Is this really what you want to do with your life? Oh, it, it's actually, this is actually what you want to do with your life. Okay. Well, we will make you into the ultimate murder hobo oh, then. God. I mean, I'm thinking of characters. You reminded me of a very specific character. <laughs> 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 who I quite enjoy, but yeah, no, the, the ethos is pretty much, I am here to murder everything in a straight line, so uh, it's really easy <laughs> to avoid me. <laughs> All you need to do is like, get, stand 10 feet out of the way. This and... is what strafing is for. <laughs> <laughs> if, you dis if you distract the insane berserker that get, that only uh, that, that moves from one target to the next and give them something else to target, you can get away. <laughs> You don't even need to be that creative. You, you just need to throw some. You just need to throw like a rabbit at them or something. Honestly, I'm actually reminded of a horrible quote from what was otherwise a terrible comic, which was, "Look, an obvious distraction." I mean, and it worked. I mean, yeah, it would work. That's that's a pretty. Everyone quote, turned but... around to look at it, and they were just like. I can't believe we fell for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, Catrice defines uh, characters in her game across three primary axes and like six other ones that don't matter. Um, is that yeah, a fair I'd statement? Say generally. I'd say the most important things for your character, really, like we focused on class for a while, but it's not a large part of what makes a character who they are. It's just how they prefer to kill things if they're killing things. It's more like your core values are the center that this is what's important to you, and it defines basically everything else to some degree. You have like personality quirks, which are things like this is, these are like the little things that differentiate you from other people. Like this is who you are kind of thing. You have physical traits and stuff. Like maybe you have a disease that prevents you from feeling pain. Like you just don't experience pain as a concept. If you're leaning on like the stove burner, you don't feel it to turn, to take your hand off of it that kind of thing like what you are partially determines who you are it, it's an influence on it but it's not an overriding thing and yeah it's basically just breaks down into like what you are who you are and what you believe is important anyway and that's a very good setup for defining who a character is and why they do the things they do. And then you just basically at the end of that subvert it and say, so for all these things that are all pointing in one direction or maybe all over the place, but they're kind of sort of in a cone direction over this way. And then you went off in a tangent for no apparent reason. So why did you do that? And that builds a very specific narrative to the game. Uh, mm -hmm. 
every time you talk about Seahorsa at length, I'm wondering, like, if I went in with the exact same character concept, it's a certain character concept, if they would come out with the same character development that they did. Uh, anyway, uh, Catrice, anything more you want to say about your game? Uh, the only thing I really wanted to mention extra was just one small thing on the on the setting itself, just that the setting is built in such a way that it's meant to be open-ended, so that if you want to play different styles of game, like, you can... Like, the world itself is built so that it's terraformed planet. It's getting terraformed all the time. Like, one of the things that happened when uh, my characters were... Not my characters, but, like, one of the play task groups was going between one town and the next. Like they're told to go over to this town and while they were walking, like literally a mountain just pops up like right in front of them. Out of nowhere. And eventually they decided that it didn't actually have to do with them directly. And one of them really wanted to go in. Another one wanted to just get on with the tasks that they were told to do and the other was kind of torn in between the two they eventually avoided it but yeah it was totally just this random thing just popped up out of nowhere it's like you can change the game world as it's needed to to deal with whatever the players happen to want which is why there's no static map of this world. You can't build one. It won't be accurate for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, there's this huge ravine here. Oh, wait, that was yesterday. Oh, I have no clue what's there anymore. Oh, God. I, I went sort of a setting like that for very different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> it, wasn't to, it wasn't to test people. Um, anyway, um, Yes, okay. Rob, do you want... Uh, I'm not sure what it looks like, what this type of thing looks like in uh, Ashes of the Magi right now. Uh, do you have anything you want to say about it? Hmm. Since I let everybody else talk about their game. <laughs> um, templating. Well, I mean, there are parts... There are parts of Ashes that are similar to what Mark does, and there are parts of Ashes that are similar to what Catrice does. So, I mean, that's not... That shouldn't be too weird, since we've been talking about this stuff and coming to similar conclusions for two years. So, uh, Yeah, also, uh, yeah. ending up somewhere between Catrice and Mark in this topic is pretty normal, given that they seem to represent extremes, and as far as I can tell. <laughs> um. Yeah, ish. I mean... Well, no, not really. I think they're just different foliations of sort of like the same idea of like figuring out, like figuring out yourself through play. Yeah, you know, Cat's mm -hmm. got this uh, the idea of starting from um, the the position of cognitive dissonance and knowing that you're in cognitive dissonance is actually a thing that's most games won't give you right. So like this the idea that you have a past and then you have a past that you can't explain because you violated yourself in some way um 
like that that idea exists in ashes because there's this idea that you that in some way your character is responsible for in for for part of the apocalypse and so you're gonna when you delve back into your past you will have um moments where you encounter horror that was your fault or that you were entangled in or responsible for in some way not necessarily your fault but entangled in let's put it that way um and so just like part of that self-discovery exists uh because ashes allows you to investigate your past like you could investigate anything else but you, you start off as a blank slate like you do in praxis um mm -hmm. and that self is discovered through play and then entered um those those the encounters you have with your past are part of your journal going backwards and your play going forward is similar as well where you have things that uh encounters that you that take place in your particular sphere so like uh, where seorsa has can have wildly divergent um characters uh going after um, wildly divergent characters going after wildly divergent goals uh but they are generally i think the point with seorsa and correct me if i'm wrong is that uh they're mashed together with a purpose based on what the gods of seorsa have in mind so there's like a meta reason to mash the characters together. There is like, it is kind of based on the idea of party coherence. Like part of it is mm -hmm. just, I didn't want to have like, you meet in the tavern and I guess you go kill monsters together or something. Sure. But you have an, but you have something in the setting that's like, yeah, it, yeah. it's, it's built towards that. Part of it is also built so that, you know, it, it favors that you will probably be dealing with somebody that you probably already recognize. Mm -hmm. I, it's preferred that if we can possibly do so, we'd like to have you go with like a relative or a friend or somebody who's likely to mm -hmm. help you. If not, then we'd still like to throw you in with like somebody who will help you grow in a way. Oh, there God. is more. <laughs> And yes, that does mean that you can wind up with people who are perhaps extremely antagonistic towards you. Like, you don't have to be a happy party that gets along together all the time. Mm -hmm. If you want the evil character, sometimes that's actually a good thing for making you grow because it forces you to question mm -hmm. things that you wouldn't otherwise. Right. Yeah. So Ashes does the same, something similar in that regard where it doesn't the character creation is done together but individually so you don't actually part of what happens is as the game boots up uh based on last saturday's play test this is how it's working right now um the, as the game boots up you are following prompts from the guide and uh you sort of do your interior and then you start acting but the actions you take um are local to your character sheet in your journal starting out so you're not you're not having any any interactions until the uh you have the encounter with um 
uh, until I introduced the weird mechanic, basically. So weird W-Y-R-D, not W-E-I-R-D, as in Mark's game. Um, weird is the, the, the loom of fate. And you, as, a, as one of the fated who survived the, the apocalypse, their own apocalypse, the continuing apocalypse, uh, you... I don't like I don't like the present tense for this game. It just doesn't work like in any sense. <laughs> you keep, yeah, the way that you you handle things is not just what's happening in the present. It's also what what happened in the past that you have to resolve almost in like flashbacks, as it were. Right. Well, the thing is, is like none of it, it, it conceptualizing any of like even even dice rolls, even like the the places where the mechanics are going to take an input and produce an output even that is done from the point of view of it having already happened so mm. you do the thing and then you sort of reconcile your result and then you tell a story about what happened and then you say what you know what your sacrifices were and what your consequences are and then like what um uh benefits and what benefits you accrue basically uh and you once you have those three things, you don't, you don't, you tell a story about how that happened given certain parameters, but it's after the roll. So you don't, you don't say I'm going to do a thing and then roll to see if it happens. Right. That's, that does happen, but that, well, not, not during the encounters part where you're doing encounters, you're exploring the story and those, all of that is done from a perspective of it. You're telling the story of what happened. And then when you get to a crisis, now the story snaps into we're all together. And um, by virtue of the fact that we were all f this, this thing, whatever it was, this existential threat appeared to all of us in some sense, then uh, we converge and it becomes much more like a traditional turn-based RPG where it's where you're picking an action and then executing the action and then you're still telling a story after the fact because because of the way combat works um but it's much there's a much smaller there's well there's less to do right because you're just comparing numbers you're just comparing um power to to the opposition's power and seeing what who did better and so there's a more immediate and more granular storytelling that goes on there it's more kinetic um, I forget where I was going with this point completely. I was just describing that. I was just describing the structure, I guess. It, it came from character creation, but where was I going with that? Um, well, for trying to see about, like, how does this create characters? How does it tell the story? What kind of story does it naturally trend towards telling? Oh, right. Why I hate the present tense for this story. <laughs> like, saying characters do a thing is not... Is not is not how this game frames stuff. So, its characters did a thing, or this happened, or this is going to happen. But almost never, I don't know if I don't know if characters are ever in the present in this story, which is on purpose. But um, they're only they're only like, yeah, that's interesting. Actually, they're taking input from two sources, basically. And then, oh, that's interesting. Okay, I'm just, uh, okay, I'm just, hmm. Huh, okay. 
<laughs> so some more of the structure just 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 kind of cohered. Uh, that's always fun. When that's happens. always fun. Yeah. Um, so okay, and then and then in in the way it's like March game, I use the player input from their journal to inform the setting. So that starts uh, right at the beginning when the players uh, wake up. They they encounter the first thing they encounter is an item. So uh, much like Cat's game, they get to sort of personalize uh, an item. They, it does not necessarily stick with them the entire story, but it is significant. Um, and they reach out and touch that item, and that that uh, it's a magical item, and so that transmits into their mind their one of the arcana. They recognize by touching this thing one of the magics that make up the world, and then I show them. Uh, basically symbols of that magic and then ask them to associate with one of the symbols. I don't actually name anything or have them write down the names or describe what they do. Uh, they resonate with one of the symbols and then recreate that symbol in, in their journal. And that becomes something that resonates with their character. And then that, so I don't, this is kind of a shift from where it was, where like I, I was naming the arcana and now it's like, there's a symbol. And there's, I, I want to make sure that the, the more complex and full symbol that I'm showing them has enough, um, like meat on the bones for them to pull something out of. But I also need to make it like simple enough that they can render it fairly quickly, uh, or even like more abstractly than it is when I show them. But it occurred to me. At this point where I'm introducing the Arcana is the point where you could boot up any other type of setting in this framework. So where they reach out and grab something, right? Their first interaction with the setting, like they remember, they have a remembrance of what it was like. And they get either now at that point, I could go the practice Arcana route and say, like, it's blank here and fill it in. Or what I'm doing is I'm trying to tell a particular story about how magic uh how reliance on magic can crumble a society and so there's certain magics that will that i leave out for story reasons like teleportation like resurrection like certain story solving magics right um i time magic ish so kinda. your entire your mm -hmm. entire game can be summed up as twitter is bad I mean, I, I, I hold that sentiment, but I'm not sure if the game could be summed up like that. I mean, you're saying like it, it's the reliance on magic, but even though you're using magic, like it's almost in its own way, like an analogy to a reliance on technology to completely mm. replace like the concept of society. Mm -hmm. doesn't anything any like the thing is like any any crutch will yeah. do right so e even if it's like so you could do like dune or something like that where it's like um different like or something like where it's different modes of space travel or different modes of interacting with uh planets or something like that or even different planets that you associate with like this item reaches out and down does a data download into your head or something you know there's cyberpunk ways to do it. i was just concept like I was like, oh, this is where I'm framing. This is the first point where I actually frame the setting for the players a little bit. And it's a big framing point because I'm saying like this touches, like this pattern of stuff touches all of the characters, right? So it's like, it's like, like practice Arcano, I'm at, I'm saying like, here's, 
here's the supernatural that affects everybody. Only I'm making a specific, I'm doing it in a specific configuration because I'm, I have a specific, uh, because it's necessarily post-apocalyptic. And so there's, there's considerations and there's ways, uh, there's an aesthetic at play here that is geared towards what I would call lower fantasy, meaning there's less distinction between good and evil and less flashy magic. The flashy magic being stuff that blatantly defies physics, uh, you know, de defies con like all the Newtonian stuff and conservation of you know, all that stuff. So any like that kind of magic, it doesn't exist in the setting. Uh, the magic is generally energy manipulation and uh, life manipulation and uh, extant forces manipulation. Like there, there's there's not. It's less Harry Potter and more, even less Conan really, and more. There's a there's almost magic as technology, but it's not quite that. Um, it's not quite that exoteric, where you, you have, uh, where it's purely magic as technology, and it works one way every time, and there's no um, mystical connotations with it. Where I feel like Eberron as a D and D setting is pretty much like that. Uh, whereas this is much, this has a, well, it it has a more esoteric bent on purpose, but the. The reason that is, is because the magic system hooks into the reality humans experience in a deep way. So it doesn't, it doesn't circumvent human nature, it just amplifies it. Yeah, the, the basic concept is kind of important, though. The idea mm -hmm. just that there are certain things that if you try to replace on a societal level, but it, it also goes on deeper levels than that. But if you try to replace like society, like the things that hold society together with technology or magic or any one thing, it you kind of can't do it. Like I kind of even do the same thing myself, just in a different way on a more personal basis. Just like, yeah, if you're trying to figure out like who you are, you can't rely on technology or magic that specifically solves all of your problems for you like if mm -hmm. you have a button that you can press that solves everything you can't have that on this world because it kind of defeats the purpose of it right and it so also it, ruins any story yeah it's yeah. artificially <laughs> restricted it's like it, it's flat out just bluntly stated it's like oh yeah you may have been a nuclear physicist but you can't use that here because basically unlimited energy no that's going to cause problems you're going to have to find another way to deal with that you can have it back when you're done this but <laughs> you can have it back when you're done that's that's a that's yeah. i like that <laughs> yeah that's funny for a number of reasons I, I don't know why like you can have nuclear physics back when you're done being a good person it's like that's we should just institute that rule uh everywhere really it's well, it's not necessarily being a good person in my case though it's like okay, they're not they're not worried about you being a good person they're worried about you knowing what kind of person you are if you're yeah. going to be an 
you're going to be like an evil monster. They want you to be the most monstrous evil monster you can be. Like, you have to at least know what you're doing. Like, they don't care what it is. It's just like they don't want you to rely solely on your minions or solely on, well, you're only a, a tyrant and you're only effective as a tyrant because you happen to have access to your doomsday laser that your mad scientist created for you and then you shot them in the head. It's like, well, you didn't build that and you aren't actually all that effective of a dictator. And as soon as we take your death ray away, you're kind of useless. You're not that, you're not really a threat anymore. Like we have so, to make you be a threat. There's a skill set to to uh, to threatening people with a, a death ray when you know. The, but yes, I I I understand. Yeah, there there is finding ways to leverage it. But if you find ways to leverage what power you have without having like the big bada boom stick, like then when you do get like the big, you know, kill satellite available to you, you can use it more effectively. Like the emphasis is figure out who you are, what you can do, make you as an individual the best at being what you are. We'll worry about like everything else later. But yeah, sorry, I was mostly just trying to say that like I agree with Rob's concept that like you, you kind of have to poke at this kind of concept. Like it does like you can't really make characters who are able to understand like what they did was wrong or what they did was right until you put them into a situation where that actually has meaning to them. Like, so long as you can just escape from the consequences of your actions or the reasoning why you did things by just, you know, avoiding stuff, then you're not really going to learn anything as a character, nor are you going to be all that interesting to play. Okay. So, um, does anything, does anybody have anything else they want to say on this topic? Any other major points they want to have? Mm -mm. Um, I'd say that just in terms of, like, if someone out there is listening and, like, trying to figure out whether or how to approach this, I think the, the goal of providing these molds um is really to be able to deliver a consistent gameplay experience um and i think because like our games at least the, the like catrice me and rob have uh quite a bit of openness to how the players move forward and proceed in them i think um it, it is good to have these sorts of tools of frameworks to be able to make the game consistent in the ways that are important for the, the type of 
experience you want to deliver on. I think that's also important that when we're saying like the same type of gameplay, it it doesn't mean like, okay, you're going to go into a dungeon and kill stuff every single time. It like Mark's game in particular, like Praxis Arcanum, like you can have very, very different gameplay out of it. But it's basically the same theme that that's behind it. Like, the specifics of how you play the game. Like, yeah, you're going to be drawing cards. You're going to be using certain game mechanics to do the, the stuff. But that's not really... I don't think that's what you mean by that, Mark? Or am I wrong on that? No. No, I think that's that's basically it. It's just to deliver on a a theme or an experience that you're trying to like. It, it could be going into the dungeon and killing things if that's what you wanted. Oh, your, can be, yeah. Yeah, but um, no, I think your your definition is right. Yeah, like in that kind of case, yeah, I think I think it's important that when you think about a game, like. If you look at something like, say, uh, Paranoia. Paranoia has a very specific type of style of game that you can get out of it. And even though each individual game may play substantially different than one another, you still have that very dystopian future kind of feel to it. And the mechanics, the way that the setting is built and everything, it all kind of funnels the players towards this is the kind of overall theme and experience that you're going to get out of this kind of game. And, and I want to tie this back into and how, like, the frame. The thing I wanted to talk about, and that we kind of talked about, but we didn't get into a lot, is how the framework of the of how a game defines characters. Uh, God, how was I going to say? Helps you like how the tools that a game gives you to help create your character as a as a functioning member of the game. What templates it provides for that. Uh, determine is how you is a large part of how you do get these themes and how you get these underlying consistent messages, etc. Sorry, I don't. I thought I knew what I was saying. I didn't mean no, to interrupt I, you, Catrice. No, I actually think that's actually a good point. I the characters are your primary method of interacting with the game in most cases it's like it's usually your character that you're playing this is what you have to work with in the world you can't con just grab somebody else's character and be like well i'm gonna start playing your character for you now unless you have like mind control in your game which is all sorts of problems like there's issues with like consent and issues with that but even more than that oddly enough is it's like 
Well, once you start playing somebody else's character for them, are they even playing the game anymore? Like, that's one of the worst things that you can do to a player, especially as a GM in a lot of games, is I take control of your character and I make them do something that's out of character. Now they have to deal with the consequences of something that they would not have done anyway. Yeah, that... <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that That's something that some people do, huh? Yeah, it's weird. It's like, no, don't do not do that. Like, Yeah, some games specifically make that a feature, not a bug. So, well. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> I do. It solves a lot of problems. It's just not fun. But there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's not even just not fun. Like, part of no. it is... Uh, it's taken away from player agency in a way to the point that they're no longer a player. They're they're not even I'm a using, participant. Mm -hmm. Fun and agency can be used interchangeably here than talking about game design. We're talking about the same thing. We're not talking about enjoyment. We're talking about are you hooked in or not? That's not fun. So yeah. We should just yep. say that. Yeah. Anyway, well, thank you for listening to Flow Forward. Well, good night, good night Al. I don't know. Maybe somebody's forcing you to listen to us against your will. No, no one's. No, they're they're totally being held at gunpoint right now. Why else would they listen to us? Could be. Could be. Just note that this is them playing your character. Clearly, the solution is to play yourself. Okay. Oh, good good night, everyone. Good night. Because it's always night where you are. <laughs> I had to get it up. There it is. Glad, glad I got it in time. Yep. Okay.